Fading Memories is sponsored by I'm Up. I'm Up is an app that gives you independence, security, and peace of mind. Find it in your favorite app store and use invite code 006 when you sign up. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Hey, did you call and check in with mom this morning? No, I thought it was Pam's turn this morning. Do you know where my laptop is? Why are mornings so crazy? Ah, these daily phone calls are getting complicated and we're all forgetting whose day it is to call and check in. I'll call mom from the car as I head into work. That way, if we get into a conversation, it won't make me late or any crazier than I already feel. Oh, don't forget to give the dog his pills. Sounds good. Who's going to call Pam and figure out whose day is whose again? Ah, there has to be a better way than this. With me today is Rebecca Growlick. She has started a company called Caregiver Pathways. She's got two different directions that she came to caregiving. So thank you very much for joining me today, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having me. So you said your mom had um, a bit of Parkinson's-induced dementia, but you had a second mom, almost not a related mom, but somebody like a mom, who had Alzheimer's. So you want to tell me about one or both of them first? Sure. So my mom had a very close friend uh, whose name was Gail. And my, to me, she was like a second mom. So with the years um, passing, my real mom developed um, Parkinson's. And towards the end of her life, which was the end of 2016, she did develop some dementia. And in the meantime, her close friend, who was my second mom, um, developed Alzheimer's. They lived just down the hall from each other in an assisted living facility. My mom was with my father, and then my second mom was just a couple doors down. So for quite a while, I I was the point person for all three of them. And um, so I, I learned quickly about the stress of being a caregiver and the challenges. You know, I would arrive at the facility and my eye would start to twitch or I'd get a stomach ache or I would just be on the verge of tears. Um, so with my mom, she, she was definitely in and out of confusion at the end. And then my second mom passed away in July of this year. And I was with her the day before she passed away and she, um, she had it was Alzheimer's that she died from. So how long did she have Alzheimer's? Well, you know, that's always a tricky question because I think they, people have Alzheimer's before they start showing a lot of the signs, you know, before people realize it. I would guess she probably had it for about 15 years. Okay. And, and what was sad was that her second husband, who was um, quite a bit older than her, he also died of Alzheimer's. So she went she cared for him and then um the doctor believes that towards the end partially from the stress of her situation she started developing it so it was it was really a quite a sad ending i think that's one of the themes that i keep running across talking to people is you know they promise their loved one or their mom their parent whomever that you know they'll take care of them till the end and then they feel guilt when they can't do that and they don't admit they need help or they don't seek out help. And so I, one of my 
one of the things I try to do is to let people know that their care and safety and your health is important. It's more important than that promise, which is very hard. And we make a promise to people and especially a parent, you know, they took care of us and they put up with us for 20 years or more. It's hard to, to say, no, I can't deal with this. You need to go into a care community. Um, Most people that listen to the podcast know my mom, we moved my mom into a care residence literally two weeks after my dad died, which felt terrible, but I knew in the end that it was the right thing. I, I thought that maybe being in her home for a little while to grieve, to get used to the idea might be fair, but I also know that when the, those places have an availability, you don't just let them go by. So it worked. I think it worked out for the best. She's happy. She's got friends that um, all, she spends all her time with. She was, I took her to the neurologist on Monday and she missed dinner because they eat so early. And her friend was all worried. She's like, I've been looking all over for you everywhere. <laughs> you have to leave me a note when you go. And it's like, so I think, okay, next time I take mom out and not the other friend, I will leave a note. Not that it'll probably matter, but you know, that yeah, I, th- I think one of the things that that's a problem when we make these promises that, you know, we're never going to put a person in a facility. We'll always take care of them. I'll be there till the very end is that we do it a lot of times just out of ignorance. We don't understand the, the path that dementia can take, you know, something like the frontal lobe, dementia or Alzheimer's, you know, there's all these horrible causes of dementia. It's if you don't have the experience with someone that has the advanced, you know, they're not in an advanced case, then you can't comprehend the toll it's going to take you as the care provider. You, you simply can't understand. So, you know, when you make that promise, you're making it to a person who's still probably somewhat functional. Mm-hmm. It becomes a different person. You know, the real, the original person might still be in there somewhere, but you're now dealing with maybe someone who's hostile and they never were hostile or they're verbally abusive or they become reclusive. They refuse to shower. They refuse to eat. And it, it really becomes more than the average person can care can do. I mean, you just aren't, we aren't equipped. We don't, we don't know how to be a caregiver. Um, and for most of us, it was never a job we aspired to having. That's true. And it is a hundred percent different than raising children because oh, yeah. with children, you know, pretty much when the end date is not that there's an end end, but you know, they turn 18, they're legally an adult. You know, if it's your prerogative, you can kick them out, which I don't think most people do. Maybe they go in the service, they go away to college, or if they're really bold, they move out on their own. My daughter didn't move out until just after her 25th birthday. And I was ready. I was like, there was times when we'd get on the wrong side of each other's feelings. And it'd be like, that's it. I'm packing up her crap, putting it on the porch. I'm done with this, you know? And with mom, I just, I have to, you know, every day is it's like, okay, well, oh, today's a good day. So I don't know, maybe you will live to 90 like your mom did. And I don't remember if I told you in our prior conversation, she'll be 76 in January 12th, you know, 2019. So she's still pretty young. And the thought of her living another 15 or so years makes me insane because yeah. it's so difficult. And then the 
prior conversation I had with my last guest, I was telling her that the, one of the reasons that I knew mom couldn't live with me, well, first off, I had just turned 50. My husband and I still work, so there's all those details. But when I go visit my mom, I spend my entire time with her, focused on her. And I can't do that if she's here, but that's what she needs. So it's, it's I, I suggest people, if you make that promise to your loved one, do it with crossed fingers because, you know, it, it, they may get to a point where you physically cannot take care of them anymore. You might be able to emotionally, although that's questionable, but physically, you know, um, like my neighbor has Parkinson's disease and he's probably quite a bit more than a foot taller than his wife. She's, she's pretty petite and he's using a walker and a cane and he, he's, kind of lost his balance getting out of the car and she had to stabilize him. And I just kept thinking one of these days is going to land on top of her. And I hope nothing bad happens other than that. That'll be bad enough. But if he breaks a bone of hers or God forbid a hip, you know, and they live in a two story house and it just, Oh yeah. Yeah. It worries me too much. It worry. I worry for them. <laughs> They're just down the street. So it's, it's not always something we can a promise that we can keep. So yeah, and that's true. And you're speaking from the perspective of a healthy adult daughter. There also are a lot of caregivers who are spouses. Mm-hmm. And so they are aging right along with the person who is suffering from dementia. So in addition to having to care for a spouse with dementia, they also have their own health issues. And that's a whole different host of problems and challenges. And they're... they're it's certainly what you talked about, the um, physical aspect of caring for somebody and the challenges there and the emotional, which you also touched on. But there are other, there are, you know, there's a psychological, there's, and you grow to resent a person that is just always demanding of your time, who you can't really communicate with, who says no to every, everything you offer. And then on the topic of emotion there, for particularly for spouse caregivers, they might still, you know, be healthy and wanting and craving and needing a social life. And they don't get it with the person who clearly has dementia. You know, that's for you know obvious reasons that doesn't occur. And sometimes these people who would be, you know, years before would have been horrified at the thought of, spending time with another person find themselves wanting to be in a relationship and you know several people do and I think one thing that's really important is that those of us who aren't walking down their path and in their shoes don't judge them especially with anybody with a brain disease I'm assuming Parkinson's is a brain disease I know it affects the nerves so it's a neurological condition okay um because everybody is different and the disease affects everybody's brain differently. And I've said this before, you know, what, how your mom and your, your second mom and my mom and the last guest's dad, all of them are different. Yep. I'm always kind of excited when I talk to somebody whose parents, it's usually a mom is really similar to mine because as I've mentioned probably way too many times, I don't know anybody that's dealt with their parent having this disease as long as I've had, because she's pretty much had memory issues my entire adult life. She's had memory issues. My daughter's 27. 
So at least most of her adult, most of her life as well. And my mom and my daughter were very close. So this is really, she can't deal with her grandmother, which is sad, but I understand where she's at because my grandmother also had no memory at the end of her life and I couldn't deal with her either. So I, I don't know if we get better with a little maturity, a little more experience and wisdom. I don't know. Cause I, maybe we're just forced to deal with, yeah. forced to deal with my mom. And, um, you know, I mean, she's fine. My daughter's fine. If, if mom is here, like on Thanksgiving and stuff, but she can't go visit the, you know, in the community because the, the other old people, you know, quote unquote, freak her out. So it's, it's sad because there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things that happen when you interact with all these other people. But, you know, I come home and it's like, it takes a while to reorient my brain to our reality because I've been in their reality for two or three hours. It's crazy. It's true so, though. Yes, it is. So tell me about your startup and what, I mean, other than your relationship with the memory loss, what prompted you to go down that path? Okay, well, Caregiver Pathways is a nonprofit, and we are, we're in the startup phase, but we're, we're moving along at a pretty good clip. And the intention is to take small groups of people who are in the early stages of dementia out into the community. So primarily to nonprofits where they can volunteer and work and feel that they're still contributing members of society. And then we'll also have social um, outings too. One of the issues that is very common that happens with people when they're in the early stages of memory loss is that their worlds rapidly shrink because they can no longer work and probably should not be driving. If they're still driving, that's not going to be, um, should not be too long lived. And they, um, they know that they've got memory issues. So it's very common for them to shun their family and friends because they're embarrassed. So what happens is that they go from having a vibrant life and, and a productive life to a very isolated life. It's especially true if, their spouse is still working. Um, so there, you know, I think we all know that isolation just helps um, speed up the cognitive decline. It accelerates it. So our goal is to take people who are still able to care for themselves in the sense that they can still toilet themselves. They can still, they're still mobile. They can still have a conversation and to take very small groups out with a couple of people who are skilled and knowledgeable in being with people with dementia and volunteer. So we might go to an animal rescue, a nonprofit, and, and um, clean cages and feed the animals and you know, do whatever they need. And then we'll make arrangements ahead of time to be able to go into the quiet room and cuddle with the puppies and the kittens. Or maybe we'll go to an, uh, an organic farm and we can work with them to sort vegetables or clean up the warehouse or, you know, whatever they might need. And then get a tour of the farm and, and have a tractor ride. So, you know, fun things like that that will be incorporated into our going out and helping. And the goal is that people will feel whole. They'll feel that they're still contributing members of society that they are still appreciated, that they're still needed. I mean, these are all emotions that we all crave, but especially when your world has gone from 
is moving along at a normal pace and you're being actively involved, suddenly you're in a state of isolation. So that's, that's the, um, the goal. That sounds awesome. And my mom would have probably liked, well, she grew up where I live now is it's an agricultural town, although it's, I call it the agriburbs because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a suburb now of the San Francisco Bay area, but it, we've still got a lot of farms and orchards and all that stuff. Um, so she would have liked the farms and she definitely would have loved cuddling with the puppies because she's had dogs most of her life as well. And unfortunately her, the dogs she had with her when she moved in the community, we had to rehome when they renovated this past summer, which was beneficial to the dog. My sister and I struggled with how long we could keep the dog with mom and deal with the issues with the dog versus rehoming the dog. So the renovation made that choice very easy, but the poor dog, as I've mentioned many times, got fed by the residents, didn't eat dog food, and basically weighed double what she should have weighed. And she didn't have any structure, so she, she wasn't disobedient, but it was just when a dog doesn't have limits and structure they get a little bit nutty and I, I could see that she was getting a little bit nutty. She just, there was just times she just looked like she was a little crazy and she probably was. I'd be crazy if I lived with those people too. (laughs) Um, But she went to, she went to a farm in Oregon that was the breeders grandchildren. So hopefully she's the last, her senior years are good. Yeah. So my, um, you know, and it's interesting at the neurologist the other day, uh, my mom said that the dog had passed away, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty interesting." She doesn't remember my dad died, but she thinks the dog died. It's <laughs> like, okay, I try to keep up with all of her her realities. It's getting getting interesting. <laughs> got to start writing them down. <laughs> yeah, you just have to kind of go with the flow. Yeah, it's just sometimes she says things, and it's it's almost like you know, it's not a it's almost like a poke in the middle between your eyes, kind of like, oh, okay, well. Um, not sure where that one came from because before she thought the dog was with my dad, which in her mind just meant he had her in the car with him or wherever he was going. But knowing, you know, my dad's been gone almost two years. Every time she'd say, oh, my dog must be with my husband. It always made me feel a little guilty because no dog's not, she's still alive. Dad's not, she is. It's okay. So now that she thinks the dog's dead, it's like, okay, glad glad you let me in on that clue. So now you're in the Seattle area. Do you think that this um, caregiver pathways is something that once you get it rolling and have had a couple years of experience is something you can help people do in their communities? Because it sounds amazing. Yeah, actually, I'm in Northern California. Oh, that's right. Sorry, yeah. somebody else. I decided Sorry, to get everybody okay. confused. That's okay. So I'm in Northern California, and I uh, in Sacramento, and so I will. I live in Sacramento County, and uh, so I. My plan is to roll it out in Sacramento County. But having said that, I've already had people from two adjacent counties tell me that once it's up and running in Sacramento, to please contact them and that they want to help me get it going in their counties. So I know that there is a huge need for a program for people in the early stages. Here in Sacramento County, there is just one adult day program that says that it's for people with early memory loss. But it's the um, the same social model of all the other programs, which is sitting around a table, um, 
you know, doing craft pro- table projects or sitting in a circle reminiscing or uh, singing or playing trivia games. So it's not really uh, challenging for someone who's physically able to do things. And so we, that's why we don't have a building and we are going to be 100% out in the community. So I think, yes, to your, answer your question, that um, it's a very scalable business model and it would be, I already know that it is needed and, and talking to family members and even people with early stage memory loss, um, they're excited about it. That's interesting because we have three adult day programs. There's two here. Well, there's one here in Brentwood, one in Byron, which is a teeny tiny little town. So it's more technically Brentwood. And then one in the city next door. So there's three really close together. I don't think any of them are overly crowded yet. I know the one here in town is, you know, they, they're a preschool and a daycare and they, everybody kept saying, oh, we need this, we need this, we need this. So they did all of the state licensing and all of that hoop jumping and opened their doors early this year. And it's been a slow trickle, which is sad. And I'm not sure why that is if all these people are like, oh, we need this. And then people aren't going. So I'm not sure where the disconnect is. But I can see like men aren't going to want to sit around and color. Right. That's right. Um, they're not, they may not want to sit around. That's what my mom does. My mom sits around, talks to her friends. She doesn't participate in the activities, but I think that's because she's in a more advanced state. I know after going to the neurologist, it's very obvious that she's got, um, the visual spatial issues. And we, there was one day I was just, I was tired and I was stressed and I just, I'm like, we're going to sit here with all these ladies and we're going to color. And I'm like, I have my own adult coloring books at home. We're just going to like, mom, this is very relaxing. Just, just do this with me. And I found a, you know, the outline of a poodle, which, you know, her poodle was black. So that's not exactly a very creative way to color, but she couldn't differentiate between inside the lines and outside, like where the collar was around the neck. And it's, you know, it just, it's beyond her, unfortunately, but she still likes to go out. We go to regional parks there's one that's, um, there's two regional parks, one with a water hole that's actually a swimming hole. It's chlorinated, but it's kind of, it's crossed between a pond and a swimming pool. It's interesting. Then we went there when it was hot. And then we have a, um, let's see, it's Summersville, which is a town that if you Google it, you'll probably come up with it. It's the, um, well, it's a mining town back from the 1800s. And we go up there and walk around and, and she enjoys that. And the neurologist said, oh, yeah, I keep doing that. And it's like, oh, I intend to because sitting around talking about the same thing every two minutes is not my idea of a good time. <laughs> and she enjoys looking at the trees and the sky and, you know, getting out and about is it's good for both of us. So I think that's a fantastic idea. And then how did you come up with that idea? Just Well, actually, I worked at an adult day program, the social model that I described earlier. Okay. And then it was, so I worked there for several years and then it was abruptly shut down. And so I originally thought that I would just recreate that model. 
And then one of the women who's on my advisory committee, who also runs an adult day program, said, you know, I've had this idea for a long time, and I think we should run with it. So I really have to give this woman named Jillian full credit for coming up with the idea. And, um, and it is a terrific idea. It is. Especially, you know, where we live, we have, what, nine months a year that are good? If you, right. if you, like, if you don't mind the heat, which my mom likes it hot, um, you know, other, if it's not raining, we pretty much have ideal weather most of the time to go out and about and do things. And I, I can see how that would have benefited my mom, although she went through denial and ignoring the issue for so long. I'm not sure she would have acknowledged needing to do that until it was, she might've been beyond the stage because she's so physically fit. It's hard to know what she's capable of physically versus mentally. It's always a challenge for me. Hello. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Is everything okay? Yes. Everything is fine. Are you on your way to work? Yeah. Yeah. How are the kids? Oh, they're doing fine. Busy as usual. I thought Pam was calling today. Don't you have a big meeting to be prepared for? Yeah, actually I do. And, you know, checking in like this, there's got to be a better way. Right. Well, and, and that is a big challenge in general is getting people to realize that they and their families to realize that people in early stages of dementia would really benefit by being out and about and still using their minds and feeling that they're productive and feeling that they're appreciated and, and being appreciated and feeling needed. So that is a challenge. I think that in part what will help us is that we welcome family members to also participate. I mean, you could so, do that when, they are, when they're more in the middle, earlier middle stage. Right, right. And then also we're not going to call it an adult day program and we're not calling it the people who are with them caregivers. We are going to, it'll just be a, a volunteer program, a community volunteer program. And the people who are trained to help people with dementia will be uh, team captains. Yeah, that's a better term. So, so we'll, you know, we'll be small teams and, and we'll go out and to help, to help nonprofits. We have, let's see, we've got a couple of interactive farms. One is more for like autistic people, children. And I'm trying to remember there's one, the gal had the gal that runs it has, um, the, let's see the part that holds your, the muscles to your bones and the joints all together is defective. So she will end up in a wheelchair and probably worse. And she's in her early thirties, which is terrible. But she's got a, basically a totally, handy capable farm that might not be the best phrase and they kind of do similar things they take people with physical challenges and this farm is designed for people with physical challenges I mean it's an actual working farm but people can go there and volunteer and help her and do all kinds of things and I think they've got a program where people can spend time there so it's it's definitely a we seem to be getting quote back to our roots which is really (laughs) considering we're talking about farming and getting out in nature is probably a really bad pun, but you know, getting out in nature is definitely good for our brains and our moods. So it's, it's a wonderful idea. Thanks. Yeah, I think, and I, I'm hopeful that families will want to do it. So 
you know, if your mother back when she would have been more capable would have say been willing to work at an animal rescue and, and, you know, you would have recognized the need for her to go out and do that. You could have said, Hey, let's go uh, do this together. And you could have brought your daughter along. So it could have been a, a really a fun outing with the person with the memory loss, maybe not even realizing you know, the focus is on, on helping them. So we're, we're hopeful to get uh, intergenerational participation. Well, that'd be good. And it's nice just to not, I can see why it's focused on the person with the brain disease, but having options for outings and activities and things to do with your loved one who needs a little extra something it would have been really nice because we'd go to the movies and it got to the point where it became obvious that mom, you know, wasn't that interested. She wasn't tracking them, but that's not real obvious until you're sitting in a movie theater and she's kind of like, la la la, you know, what's going on. And, you know, and it's not an enjoyable experience for anybody. And it's, you know, movies aren't cheap. So it'd be nice, you know, if there had been alternatives. Right. And, you know, I'm sure also for the caregiver to not have to plan anything, you know, for you not to have to figure out, you know, pay and and figure out the logistics and what to do, but just to show up at an appointed time, um, I I think would be nice for family caregivers. Yeah, that's true because every Sunday night and if I'm busy Monday morning, my, I'm scrambling in my brain trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do with mom today? And sometimes my husband said, what are you going to do with mom today? And I absolutely hate it when my first response is, oh, I don't know. I usually figure out something, but if I've planned it, you know, we can go to the regional park and, you know, I, <laughs> I feel a little guilty because we went to the regional park with the swimming hole and we rolled up our capris and waded through the shallow water and sat on the edge of the pool pond thingy. It's, it's, I'm going to have to figure out a way of making it a visual because it's, it's really nice, but it was, it had sand on the bottom, which was kind of weird for mom, but she was not happy that her pants were soaked when we sat on the edge of the pool. So the, our back ends got wet and the bottoms of our pants, even though they were rolled up, got wet. So I, I told my sister to get mom a swimsuit, which of course now I haven't used <laughs> oh, next summer. We'll have to go more often. But it, it gets hard, you know, now it's chilly and she's quite thin. And so we go to the coffee shop, you know, go to get tea or trying to find something else to do. And I'm not sure if it was you I was talking or somebody else. I've talked to so many people in the last week and a half. I'm, I'm losing track. Um, I think I might take her to the local McDonald's where they have the play area because she loves to watch kids. Not that going to McDonald's is my idea of fun, but I try to find things that she'll enjoy because it makes my, my time with her better. But it's nicer when we can get out and go out and walk and look at the nature. That's what she really likes. Well, that sounds, uh, it sounds like she's pretty lucky to have you as a daughter because I can tell you a lot of adult daughters or just family members do not make the effort that you're, that you're making. And the fact that you've been doing it for so many years, I I really applaud you on that. Well, thankfully the taking her out, you know, one-on-one or last week we went and got nails done and I took her friend this week we had to go to the doctor, which was no fun, but it actually was kind of fun because she got fed up waiting, which I don't blame her. And her humor was coming out and it's, I don't remember her being funny 
when I was growing up or even as a young adult. So it's always really nice when sarcastic humor comes out because that's what I have, sarcastic humor. It's just, it's just interesting to talk to her and people think I'm crazy because I take her, you know, friend from the community with me, but it makes it easier because they talk to each other and I don't have to try to engage quite as much. So it's, it, that helps too, but everybody thinks I'm crazy, but you know, I know like my sister doesn't take her out anymore. And, um, I don't know if it's because of the time of day that she goes, she used to take mom with her to some of the kid activities like karate and basketball, but it was always in the evening and the sundowners would get really bad. And you know, she just, it just got to the point where that was more stressful than, than it was worth. You know, my nephew is um, on the autism spectrum, so she didn't need to double up on those kind of problems at the same time. So I should suggest that her and my niece and my mom go somewhere, although it does get challenging to figure out where to go. Yeah, it does. And that's what we're hoping to alleviate for the family caregivers. So if you imagine a, like a, a local community theater has a catalog, you know, of activities or of shows. Mm-hmm. So there will be different shows on different days for different prices. And um, that's, the, that's what we want to offer. So we want to offer a catalog of activities so different activities, some will be two hours, some might be four hours, and just different acti- a whole range of outings, and there'll be different prices, and people can pick and choose. So you said men don't tend to like to do coloring. So there might be some, some activities that men wouldn't really like, but then we might be able to go to, um, well, let's see, I can give you a real example. I've spoken to a local ambulance company, and they said that they would participate in a first responder day. So I could take them, take a group to the ambulance company, and they'll show them you know, behind-the-scenes tour and let them hold on to some of the equipment and touch it and maybe sit in the ambulance you know, in the front seat. And then I intend to contact the fire department, the police department. So we might do three different first responder activities in one day. And so that might be something that men would enjoy. Whereas, you know, who knows if I have a a cooking program and we're going to uh, have a little private cooking class, that might be less enjoyable. Who knows, you know, or vice versa. But my point being that we want to have a catalog of a, of a whole range of activities. So someone like you as the adult daughter could also look to see, well, what would be interesting to you too? Mm-hmm. And, and just be nice that you don't have to plan it all. Yeah, we have now in the Sacramento area, do you, you guys must have a minor league baseball team nearby. Oh, I, I'm not your sports person. <laughs> They've kind of put me on the spot here. We probably do. I mean, we have the Kings are basketball. Um, I can tell you that. That's why I can tell you that too. I'm not into basketball. The reason I'm thinking minor league baseball, we have um, towns, a town two over. We actually have like a semi-professional baseball team that plays baseball in a very nice field. I mean, it's professional quality, but it's compared to like the Giants stadium, it's dinky. And so it's, it's much more, it's smaller and it's more intimate. So I'm thinking that might be better than 
a full-fledged um, professional team like the Giants. I'm not even sure you guys have a baseball team up there. Obviously, I can think of the two that are here, but I'm pulling a blanket about there. Um, you know, so it's not as overstimulating. Right, like, right. And that's a big factor. So, for example, there was one nonprofit that I spoke to, and they rescue animals that are abandoned due to a natural disaster. So, like, you know, recently the, the Paradise Fire, there's probably, they were probably involved in that. So they had some activities in their office that they need help on stuffing envelopes and putting together these um, packets of donor request information. So, you know, that's something that we could do, but I went to visit them and the location where they do that is in too chaotic of a situation and it's their only option. So, you know, when you talk about the baseball field being smaller and less chaotic, that is something that needs to be taken into consideration it can't be overly confusing or chaotic or loud um, because that'll just, that can be agitating to people with, um, with dementia. Yeah. It makes it harder. There's so much more to process. Right. And their processor is not functioning a hundred percent. So it's right. You know, it's, it, sometimes that's why people get upset because their brain isn't processing all this input. It's just like, is it too it, much? Yeah, it's. I mean, sometimes it's too much for me. Yeah, I hope my brain is fine. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. Now, there's times I worry. So, where are you at in the stage of getting that going? So, we are fully incorporated, and I've been doing kind of one-on-one focus groups, if you will, with family members and people with early stage um, dementia. To, I, to see what they would be interested in. And coincidentally, going out for nature hikes comes up frequently. Um, same thing that you brought up. Um, plus, you know, we've identified 77 uh, local nonprofits already, and there's plenty more. So um, I'm now going to schedule a couple of kind of test runs. Uh, so I'm going to be scheduling, um, there's a, a local park here. They have their own little nonprofit that city park that they maintain and they're eager to have us and then the the um the first responder day that i mentioned and we're going to take some small groups out and sort of do test runs to see how it works what works what doesn't work and then mid-year we plan to launch and at that point we'll have several activities already set up oh that'd be great i wish i could bring my mom to you and do some of those test runs but a 90-minute drive would drive me nuts with her. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, she's physically capable, but, you know, even when she was here on Thanksgiving, you know, as is typical, she says, what can I do to help? And I always have to just assure her that everything is under control. Just go visit, which doesn't ever work. And even in the past two, like there was one year, probably 2015, maybe 2014 at Christmas time, I had her, I needed um, crushed candy canes for the top of the cheesecake. I'm like, that's something she can do. And she starts crushing them. And then she's like, what am I doing? I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) So she's beyond, you know, after a minute or two, she can't keep track of where she, what she was doing. So unfortunately I might just have to come visit and, and, experience what you're doing with these guys just by myself or you would be more than welcome to i would love it if you'd come that'd be fun now are you going to do any of the um there's the 
State Advocacy Day through the Alzheimer's Association is in February. You know, right, right in your backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right here. Um, I'm not on. I'm not scheduled to do that. I do go to resource fairs and community events, and I'm always happy to do presentations and talk about. I and mean, I've done several presentations just about dementia, and then also about caregiver pathways. Um, so I try to be as connected and active in the community as I can. Yeah, I'm, that's my goal for 2019 is to get more involved with the you know with the Alzheimer's Association to get on trial. Well, I'm on trial match, but I need to go see. I got an email a week or so ago that said, "Oh, we think you might qualify for this one, but it's not the right time of year for me to like dive into that stuff." So hopefully. Hopefully they were mistaken about my qualifications. <laughs> I have a tendency to be too young for a lot of their studies, which is unfortunate because my mom had younger onset Alzheimer's. So that's, you know, I want to get, I want to get with the Alzheimer's association and do more. I just have to figure out which, which path is right for me. There's a couple yeah. of them I'm contemplating, but mostly I, that my goal to do that is because as I was mentioning to somebody else, there's a vast network of people like us and a vast network of resources, but it, there seems to be this little tiny, almost invisible door. And until you know that it's all out there and where to go find it, you know, caregivers frequently feel like they're on their own and that's no good. That's unfortunately very, very true. Yep. So you and I and the last gal I talked to are all on the same journey of well, she and I are still taking care of someone, but we're trying to advocate for caregivers, you know, and help by sharing our stories and, and, and letting people know what the resources and stuff are and going from there. That's, that's our goals. I'm yeah, really excited. And, and, you, and you know, um, for people who are listening to the podcast, I would just encourage them if, if in fact they are feeling um, frustrated and they don't know where to turn and they don't know where the resources are. And the Alzheimer's association is great because they have a 24 seven hotline and just call them up and they will connect you to your local, to the chapter closest to you, the office closest to the caller. And that office can often point people in the right direction. Likewise, if, most people who are working in the senior industry are pretty well connected. So if you get, if you have a question and you don't know who to turn to and it doesn't, for whatever reason, you don't call the Alzheimer's association, just call anyone who's working in the senior industry. You know, it could be someone who moves people or it could be someone like me or you, because we're all really well connected. And if we don't actually do the the task that's needed or provide the service that's needed we probably will know somebody who does i mean i recently got a call from someone and it had to do with her adult son who was in his 30s and an alcoholic and had brain damage due to a motorcycle accident well none of those are things that i personally deal with but i certainly could give her referrals so i i would encourage anyone listening to the um to this discussion and who is at a loss for resources, just reach out, reach out to anyone in the industry. Now that's excellent advice. And it makes me realize that, you know, so many people know they have an issue and 
they go into denial and they, they hide the fact they're having an issue, which is what happened with our family. So I had no idea. I didn't even, I don't even know why I didn't know about the Alzheimer's association, probably because I wasn't aware that that was actually my mom's diagnosis until January of this year. So that's a long time. Um, but the best thing that happened to us, the, my sister and I and our husbands essentially is when I was filling the paperwork out for mom's new residence, the care community, I don't know, I did something wrong because all that stuff's confusing. And so the gal in the business office, I had to go over there and correct something. It was minor, didn't sign a page or something silly. And I made a comment that prompted her to say, don't invite your mom to our reality. And I made her kind of clarify that, not that it's not really kind of self-explanatory, but we didn't really know what to tell my mom about dad. And she didn't seem to remember that he was gone. And we didn't want to remind him that remind her that he was gone, but lying doesn't feel right. And, you know, it was, we were all torn as to what to do. And that's when she said, no, don't remind your mom he's gone because that'll be the first time she's heard that. And, you know, she'll go through the grieving process all over again and you'll have to go through it with her. I'm like, yeah, no, thanks. (laughs) Not going there. And so of course I spread that tidbit of, of information and, I think trying to connect with her and I went to one hospice support grief support group after my dad died and that wasn't quite what I needed. And that's when I found the care, the Alzheimer caregiver support group. And that's been a blessing. So, you know, it's, it's terrible to experience this disease, whether it's you or you're taking care of somebody, but you know, finding dealing with it early on is much better than denial. Right. I, I agree with you. And you also learn tips, you know, like the lady saying, don't try to bring her into your reality. I know that when my second mom was caring for her husband and he was becoming very agitated and he would get mad and start yelling at her and things like that. She was told, you just need to change the subject. And so just have in mind someone that was his friend and it could be even that the friend has since passed away but just say, hey, guess who I just spoke to? I spoke to Joe or whomever it might be and change the subject. And she said, but that's lying. And she said, yes, it's lying. And it's also calming him down and redirecting his attention. And that's what you need to do. So, you know, the sadly, our objective is no longer to have meaningful conversations with our parents. And um, you know, believe me, I know how horrible that is and how sad it is, but it, it, that is the reality because we're just not going to have those conversations anymore. I remember one time I was sitting out on the balcony of their assisted living, um, the, my parents live in an assisted living facility and they, their apartment had a little balcony and I was sitting out there with my mom and we were just, it was a nothing, you know, nothing conversation. They were talking about the trees and talking just chatting but it was nice I was with my mom I mean it was really nice and as you know we've long since ceased to be daughters in this relationship and so it was really nice to just have this conversation and then suddenly my mom said where's Rebecca is she in the house taking a nap ouch (laughs) so yeah so did was she confused for just that moment? Did she think I was a, an infant? Did she, was she confused for the whole conversation? You know, I'll never know. 
Yeah. I'll never know. And it's like you said, ouch. I mean, I just was stunned because here I was enjoying time with my mom and I'm not sure. She was enjoying time with someone. She, we just don't know who. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really hard as, as a family, as an adult caregiver, um, because you, 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 you crave that relationship that you once had and it's just not going to happen. Yeah. When we were at the neurologist, the doctor asked my mom a question about what she does during the day, which she reverted back to, you know, historical, um, day, typical daily life. And then the doctor asked my mom another question about the daughters. And she said, Oh no, I don't see them very much. And I just like, Oh God. You know? yeah, and you're sitting right there. Well, and it's like, I basically gave up working on Monday afternoons because I'm a very organized person and I was finding that if I didn't schedule, I'm going to go see mom on X day. Um, I'd be, I'd get busy with this project or that project or whatever. And you never, the next thing you know, it's like, I haven't seen mom this week. That's not good. So my husband, we have, um, we go to the gym and then we go to rotary so half of my Mondays was already taken up and we, that's when the housekeepers come and sometimes they come late and it's really hard to work when they're vacuuming the entire house and you know, one's on one side, one's on the other. So he suggested, why don't you go see mom on Mondays? That way, if the housekeepers are late, it won't be a big deal. So, you know, that works. And fortunately my business voicemail pretty much indicated I worked Tuesday through Saturday. So I didn't have to change that. And so I see her every single week. I haven't missed a week since I was in Toronto in June. So, you know, for her to not even remember that we go. And I know my sister probably misses some Saturday or some weekends because she's got school-age kids and activities. And that's completely understandable. There's only so many hours in a weekend. And, you know, so it's, it's frustrating that we, we go every week and she doesn't remember. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I entertained for several years, um, in assisted and memory loss units and he plays the piano and sings. And then I would hold hands with the residents and dance, you know, if they could stand up great. And if they couldn't, that was fine. They just stay seated. So one time we were in this little six, uh, bed, um, facility, you know, home facility, and the, the people were all lined up in their recliner chairs, and we had songbooks at that time. And so we sang, and then this was early on, so I, I quit. I learned to quit asking for um, any requests, but I, at that time I did ask if there were any special requests. So the lady, one of the ladies requested a song we had just finished singing. Oh, and she must have noticed that, you know, my, my husband in particular was like really confused. And she said, well, I just noticed it here in this magazine I've been looking at. So, you know, she was completely confused. And when they talk about living in the moment, that's really what they do. So it's, but still as the one who's functioning and the daughter who's making such an effort to care for her mom, I mean, it's got to be hurtful. I mean, it's, it's just sad that you make such an effort and, and, you know, at best you're just a nice lady. Yeah, I'm a most of the time I'm her really good friend. And then occasionally I'm her sister. And the friend part doesn't bother me so much. I know she thinks I'm somebody important. 
which is much better than the people who have to suffer through, I have no idea who you are. Right. Um, you know, and sometimes that happens suddenly. So that's got to be worse painful than what I do. But her thinking I'm my aunt just absolutely drives me batty. But, you know, I've, I'm learning to deal with the fact that she doesn't recognize the differences between my sister and I. And that's why she thinks I'm her, my, I don't know. I don't know why she thinks my, I'm my aunt and I don't know why it bugs me, but it does. But it's just one of those things. She did remember for a brief moment at the neurologist that I was her daughter, but I think it's because she kept asking my mom, well, who's, who is this person and what's her name? And it was interesting. She didn't even remember the name either. It's like, oof. Like you picked it out. What's my name? She said, "Oh, you're going to screw me up." But I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah." <laughs> it's like, okay. But I did learn things at the neurologist. Some stuff that it was, you know, what I well, I learned so it'll help me care for my mom more. But you know, the well, you know, the longevity my mom could have was not exactly what I wanted to hear. Which some people might think sounds terrible dealing with somebody who's losing all their memories. It's, it's like grieving a tiny bit at a time. It's like a death by a thousand cuts for us because we see it happening. They don't remember. Right. Well, yeah. It's just normal. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes Alzheimer's is referred to as the long goodbye. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, earlier in the conversation you referred to it being not like raising a child. And that's true because with a child, Hopefully you see that your efforts are going towards making a productive contributing member of society and that you're teaching them manners and you're teaching them, you know, what to say or how to dress or how to eat or things like that, how to behave in public and not to hit all those things that you're teaching them are towards an end when they will be able to be out on their own and function in our society but with dementia, it's the reverse. They're, they're unwinding everything that they learned. So it's not, I mean, telling uh, someone with dementia not to hit, it's not because you're going to teach them good manners for, you know, down the road. They're not comprehending what don't hit means. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's an unwinding, which really makes it so sad and and difficult and like you said nothing like raising a child because you're going in the opposite direction with someone with dementia yeah i think a lot of people especially younger caregivers like myself you know they're like but it's my mom and she was always there for me and she wiped my buns and blah 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 and it's like no it's totally different and it's until you've gotten to the point like I'm at, and I'm not at the even uglier stage with mom yet. Thank goodness, I guess. You know, I'm so grateful. Like I actually had to think about, okay, we're going to the neurologist. I need to get the list of meds she's on because I don't remember because I don't have to deal with it. And then I thought, you know, I've noticed a decline in her self-care. So I, I thought I better ask some questions that the neurologist might ask me. And I don't want to have to say I don't know because that doesn't seem, well, it's not helpful to begin with, but it didn't, it's not, not really what the answer I wanted to give. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to deal with standing by while she takes a shower, although I've done that. And I'm glad I don't have to argue with her about changing clothes and all that stuff because it's just, that's not what I want to do with my mom. You know, I don't want to have to change diapers and all that stuff. And I'll probably end up doing some of it because that's how I, handle when I visit her I take care of her and I take care of residents that she's sitting with or whatever I don't just 
I don't expect the caregivers to just come running just because, you know, if I'm there, I help. And, you know, but I'm, I'm so grateful that we can keep her there and she's happy and she's got friends and it makes my life a little more bearable. So. Yeah. And it's really true when it's your parent, it's completely different. You know, it's, it's unpleasant, but not impossible to change diapers for somebody else, you know, someone who you're not related to. I mean, I've certainly, when I worked at the adult day program, took people into the bathroom to help them toilet and wipe them and all of that. But when it's your parent, I couldn't do it for my mom either. I mean, you know, she ended up in diapers at the end there and I just couldn't, I mean, that was my mom. I just couldn't um, change him. So it, it is, unless you've walked the path that you're walking or that I've walked, or that many, many other people have walked, you cannot comprehend what it's like. Yeah. It's, and that's one of the messages I'm trying to give people in the earlier stages is there's a lot that should be done to maintain them where they're at and to prolong their, you know, their mind while it's at a still good stage. You know, not unlike my mom, you know, like I said, my mom's been on this journey for probably 18 or 20 years. And, you know, it just, it gets harder every year. So it's like, don't deny they have a problem. Don't let them deny they have a problem. You know, seek out things like what you're doing and and information like I'm providing and go to a support group because those are really helpful. You know, when I had to, had to figure out how, how do I get my mom to change out of the same sweater she's worn every freaking day for I don't know how long. You know, all there was two thirds of us needed that answer. So you're not the only one there, but it's, you know, it's, you can't project what help and what, what they're going to need closer to the end. And so I think you need to maintain your sanity and your health early on because it is really hard. And the, the further they get down the path, the harder it gets. And, you know, if you have to take care of them and if you're trying to maintain them at home, even when you know that that's not an option because you've made this promise, it's just not good. So, well, and that gets back to what we were discussing at the beginning of the hour, which is when you make those promises, you just don't understand what's going to come. And those promises are made under conditions that are no longer the same conditions. And you can't project what your loved one's going to need or what you're going to need. You know, you as the care provider, there are things that you just cannot imagine you're going to need and you find that, that they're critical to your well-being. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, taking a, taking a weekend getaway without your, your loved one might seem incomprehensible to a loving spouse. But after years of, of caregiving, that's probably exactly what they need. And I was always surprised my dad resisted any... Um, you know, I researched the adult day program for him and he flat out rejected that idea. And I thought, well, this will be good for both of them because he needs a break from her. You know, his chronic health issues made dealing with her even harder. And I thought, well, it's going to be good for her. It's going to be good for him. I never understood that. I do think that he had cognitive issues that we weren't aware of because he, she was so bad that his slipping was easily missed. 
Right. Um, because at the very end of his life, he thought it was 1998 instead of 2016. So he went literally from what I thought was fine cognitively to he lost 20 years or almost 20 years. And that was a shock and totally unexpected. And that's when we ended up dealing with my mom. It was like all of a sudden uh, my sister and I and our husbands and, you know, it was like we were thrust into a panic nightmare situation instead of having the ability to say, oh, okay, well, if something happens with dad, which because of his health was logical, you know, this is what we're going to do. We never had those conversations, any of us, and that was a mistake. So I'm trying to make sure people don't make those kind of mistakes because that nightmare, it's like, you know, we were putting up Christmas decorations last weekend and the Charlie Brown Christmas music comes on and my husband looks at me because he knows that was my dad's favorite music. And my dad was in the hospital the entire holiday season of 2016. And it was horrible. I mean, my whole life, Christmas was a big deal in our family. I made it a big deal for our daughter. 2016, Christmas didn't exist. Was it was and it was my daughter's last Christmas at home, so I have, I have residual negative feelings about that, and so and so it's it makes the holidays still a little bit hard. But we're having a party Friday tomorrow with our cycle group, and you know we're trying to establish new traditions, but it's hard because we don't know how much to include mom and my daughter and her fiance want to spend Christmas Day together, which means I have to spend the whole day with my husband. <laughs> Or maybe we'll go see my sister and her kids. I don't know. But it's so, yeah. it's like because of what happened with him, it always puts this little dark cloud that kind of follows the holidays with us. And I hope that goes away. But, you know, when you deal with my mom, it's like you never know what to do. It's like it's a challenge. <laughs> it's really hard. Yes, it is. That's sort of the understatement of the day. That is true. Well, I wish you the best of luck with your program and definitely email me when you got some test dates or stuff because you're not that far from me. I can drive up there. That would be great. I would love to have you join us and get your opinion. That would be terrific. That would, I would love, I'm opinionated. I'll give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'm used to, I'm used to dealing with people with memory loss now since I, I help the ladies in the community with my mom. So you know, it'll, it'll be, I, I would appreciate giving my opinion just because I feel like it's important for them. You know, I, I have hindsight perspective and so do you, so it'll be good. All right. It's a date. Appreciate the conversation. And when you, um, you have a website that I can link on the I, show? Yeah, I do. I do. It's caregiver pathways with an S dot org. I would welcome anyone who wants to contact me. My contact information is there. I will definitely link the stuff on the show notes and keep in touch so I can, I can experience the program because I'm excited. Okay, great. You're all righty. You're welcome. Have a good evening. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Hi, Jen. Sorry about the confusion this morning. I don't know why we keep getting mixed up like this, but I did do some research and I found the perfect app, I think, to solve our problems. It's called uh, I'm Up. It's a way that mom can check in with us at the push of the button on her phone. Wow, that sounds interesting. Tell me about it. It's really simple and kind of perfect for us. Mom just puts her info in and then one of our contact numbers at a time of day when we want her to check in and taps a big red button when it comes up. And then whatever contact she puts in gets a text message. 
she doesn't check in, the contact will be alerted. And if there's no continued contact, like she doesn't ever get back to us, then emergency services get called. Huh, that sounds fantastic. How much does that cost? It's only $4.99 a month, which is pretty reasonable, all things considered. Uh, with this version, you get all kind of great options. You can program it for one to three check-ins. There's multiple emergency contacts. So the whole family or even a neighbor could get one. There's even a pet registry to store important information about the dog, including what you want to do after you pass away. Also, there's an estate directory that allows you to have all of the estate information in one place, which is pretty awesome. Power of attorney info and anything someone might need if you're incapacitated or worse. Sign us up. I'm assuming you get that through the App Store. I'm downloading it now. After you download the I'm Up app from your favorite App Store, use invite code 006. That way the fine folks at I'm Up know that you heard about them from Fading Memories. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please take a moment and give us a positive rating and review. Ratings and reviews are how new listeners find us, and they can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know I exist.